Welcome to First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast. I'm your host, James Gardner, certified athletic therapist, certified strength and conditioning specialist, yoga instructor, human being. This platform, for the pros, by the pros, anybody in the performance space, and beyond. Welcome here to share in the stories of professionals, experiences, journeys, learning along the way. It's a platform to connect, to network, and to be a part of a community that cares with conversations that matter, experiences that resonate, and generate ideas, thought-provoking, organic dialogue, passionate probes. Brought to you as always by First Star Therapy, Mobility Tape, Epic, and Benchmark Athletics. In association with the Canadian Athletic Therapist Association, it's First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for being a part of it. We are recording from the pre-gala, the pre-ceremony, the pre-awards banquet here at WFAT 2022 in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I have Jesse Oldham who presented earlier today some of her research in the concussion world. This is Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast. Now the official podcast of WFAT. Honored to be here and honored to have you spend some extra time this evening, Jesse, um, to talk about your work, very important work. And I'll just introduce you briefly. You are an assistant professor within the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Virginia Commonwealth University School of Medicine. That's a big deal. You've been a lot of places. You've done a lot of work. Uh, concussion being a primary topic in our space. Athletic therapists, athletic trainers across the world, um, multimodal, multidisciplinary, all of these things. Yeah. So your work, where did it begin? I guess let's start with where your interest in concussion started and what you've looked at over the past however many years. Sure. Yeah, definitely multimodal, definitely multifaceted. Um, you know, they say if you've seen one concussion, you've seen one concussion. Um, it's not like a lot of musculoskeletal injuries that like ankle sprains, ACL tears that are a little bit more, you know, one size fits all approach in terms of rehabilitation. Concussions are really different uh, from one person to the next. And so my interest in concussion um, actually started in my undergrad. Um, I took a biological psychology class and we were allowed to write a term paper on anything that we wanted. Um, and this was when the first few articles started coming out about CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy in these retired athletes. Right. And so being an athlete my whole life, I found this very interesting. Um, I've had two concussions in my lifespan, um, but I found the whole CTE aspect fascinating. So I wrote that paper um, and that really started my interest uh, with thinking about concussions and thinking about, um, you know, what happens after a concussion? What does a concussion mean uh, for an individual? Um, and even though I don't do anything with the CTE aspect of concussion, that aspect is really what got me starting to think about concussion. Okay. Um, and so my actual work with concussions started during my master's degree. I was given an opportunity to hop on a project with Dr. Eric Wickstrom and Dr. Tom Buckley um, looking at gait termination with concussion. And so this was really my first introduction to anything gait related, but I knew that I wanted to do concussion and that was the only project that was happening at my master's university with concussion. And so I, I wanted to be on board. 
once I got into the gait realm and, and understood that, wow, concussions can actually affect the way that you move and the way that you balance, I was hooked. And so from there, I went on to do a PhD at University of Delaware, um, where I continued to look at different gait outcomes following concussion, um, particularly under uh, dual task conditions. So by dual task, we talk about dividing your attention. And so what we see following concussion is you walk differently. You walk more conservatively overall. So individuals post-concussion will walk slower. They'll spend more time with two feet on the ground as opposed to one foot on the ground, which is a more stable position. Um, they'll take shorter strides. And so ultimately you're just moving more conservatively. And when we put an individual under a dual task environment where we're dividing their t attention on purpose, so asking them to answer cognitive questions while walking, um, we found that this I can identify um, impairments that we didn't see when they were just walking in general. And so that really kind of is my whole introduction and in how I got involved with, with concussion and gait research. Right. And there's so much to even just that yeah. and not just that, but that. Um, we're just going to have some background noise here as we have the introductions. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move along. Um, my session, one second. One second. This is live. This is truly this is live. live. From this is the real, real world aspect. Uh, real world aspect. Yeah, exactly. So we're getting ready for the, for the gala here and the award ceremony. So we are just... Um, pardon the background noise. But again, this is live. This is uh, reality yeah. podcasting, I guess, uh, from a conference. So uh, when we come back to dual tasking, yes. this is a piece that is fascinating to myself as a practitioner, to somebody who works with athletes and humans on a regular basis. Um, there is no single tasking when it comes to sport or to life, really. So I guess my question lies in why has it taken us so long to sort of start to think about the things that we do on a regular basis as part of concussion rehab or concussion assessment? Has it taken a long time or is that just me? No, I feel like it has because I feel, you know, when concussion research research first started emerging in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, particularly you look at things like the balance error scoring system, the best test, which right. is, you know, still one of the most commonly used balance assessments. I feel like everybody was trying to find kind of the golden ticket of hmm balance assessment. And so they were trying all of these novel tasks. When in reality, the best way to evaluate somebody is to look at what they do on a daily basis. So look at gait. Somebody walks. Most people walk on a daily basis. You're walking, student athletes are walking to and from class, to and from practice. And so if we can identify impairments in something like gait, which is an activity of daily living, that's a stronger indicator than asking athletes to stand on this piece of foam with their eyes closed and, and a task that's more novel that they're not doing on a daily basis. And so I think it took a longer maybe than, you know, people would say, because people were trying to find this unicorn of balance assessment. Mm -hmm. Really, maybe we should have been looking at tasks that people carry out every single day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is beautiful. Like, this is a great capture having the people that are on the ground doing the research talk to the complexity of simplicity almost. Uh, when we look at ankle rehab or knee rehab, yes, they're fairly straightforward. Yes, they're fairly cookie cutter. Certainly not the case for concussion, mm -hmm. but those basic foundational principles of rehab still apply, right? Exposure, recovery, uh, make sure there is some time for initial healing prior to putting load or stress or these kinds of things. Far removed from the original thought of, I think you referred to it as cocoon therapy or the cave theory of just go in the dark and don't do anything and you're going to be okay. In my experience, working with athletes, doing nothing is the last thing that anybody wants to do. Right. Yeah. How do I get better faster? Exactly. When it comes to concussion, 
how do we get better faster? Is there an answer in your research? Is there uh, some signs that we may be coming to terms with that? Or is it still, we need this dynamic sort of multimodal approach where each concussion certainly is individual or independent. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit of both. I think definitely there's still so much to learn, but I think we can confidently now say that the cocoon approach of shutting someone down in a dark room no longer works. That's no longer appropriate. You're actually doing a disservice to your athlete if you recommend that, because ultimately now I feel like we know enough to know that that's not right. And actually initiating exercise, light exercise, whether it's even, you know, taking a walk around the block or, you know, activities of daily living, Uh doing the dishes, doing laundry, doing things around your house that at least get you up and moving as opposed to just being shut down uh, in a dark room really are helping to facilitate recovery right now. Right. Beautiful. Motion is lotion. Movement is medicine. All of these things. And this applies to, this applies to the brain and, and, and it's not necessarily just a brain injury. It's a systemic injury. And so when we are rehabbing or working with athletes who are trying to get back, um, I don't know, maybe this is outside of your research. Maybe it's a bit of a reach, but advice on approaching athletes with pending timelines. So it's a concussion five to seven days. You'll be back. Right. How do we do that? How do we do a better job facilitating there is no timeline to this. This is the, the, the human that's in front of you. Yeah. It's, it's really important. And it's a very loaded question. You know, the classic research will say, you know, seven to 10 days and, and someone should be recovered from a concussion. We know that that's not true. We know that two people can sustain the exact same mechanism of injury. One can recover in two weeks. One may take six months to recover. And so it's challenging. And especially with the gate work, um, what we're seeing is that there are lingering deficits as we talked about in our presentation today, there are lingering deficits that we can see at return to play day when these athletes should have been cleared by all other clinical tests. They're good to go. Yet when we look at their gait, we, we continue to see impairments. And so what do you do about that? Are you going to tell, like, we still see impairments months out. And if you look at the subsequent injury relationship, like they talked about today, it's really that beyond six months seems to be the elevated risk. So what are you going to tell somebody that they can't return for six months? I mean, that's never going to go well. And so I feel like there's a delicate balance now of being open with the athlete. And as I talked about earlier, including this psychosocial component, you want to be upfront with the athletes. You want to prepare them with strategies that can help them cope with the reality that is their injury that, okay, you may be feeling bad for longer than you expect to feel bad and that's okay, but there are things that can be done to help you. And so I think this psychoeducational component um, that they've referred to in this biopsychosocial model um, is important because I feel like athletes have the expectation that, okay, in a week I should be feeling better. And when they don't, I feel like that can set off a cascade of anxiety about returning to sport, which can open a, it's a whole other can of worms. And so I feel like being upfront with your athletes that, Hey, you might not be feeling better in seven to 10 days and that's okay. Mm -hmm. We can handle, handle that. We can manage that. I think part of the key is making your athletes feel comfortable with the recovery process. Absolutely. And and advice that can apply uniformly across the board. And and we're going to be up against time here as they begin to open the doors for this award ceremony. 
So just in sort of in wrapping this up, uh, I would love to have you back and have a longer session yeah. where we can talk about all of these pieces yeah, and, and all of the things that you've done. This is just a short little tidbit to capture a little bit of what's going on here at the World Congress, uh, again in Winnipeg, again live podcast, so to speak, but lots of background noise because things are happening here and we want to sort of capture the energy that is here. Um, you talked about this mystical, magical cure for concussion that everybody was originally searching for. Is the concussion itself still, or do you think there's been an evolution in terms of our understanding of concussion? So it's no longer this thing that we have to be super, super cautious and like really, really restrictive with, where there's a much better understanding now to massage it a little bit more um, and, and sort of utilize some modalities to help coach it along. I guess I guess kind of a long-winded question, um, but yeah, just your, your advice as to, to management in a, in a sort of synopsis. Yeah, I think management, I think the biggest thing with concussion management is that there's not going to be a one-size-fits-all approach. I think as athletic therapists and athletic trainers, you know your athletes better than anyone. And there were multiple instances during the conference today where people provided evidence of, okay, they knew that their athletes just weren't right. I think it really is making your athlete comfortable because for so long, I feel like concussion was kind of a taboo word. And it was like, oh, don't let anyone know that you have a concussion. And I think that's what's cascaded a lot of problems with right. underreporting, um, you know, athletes hiding their injuries. And so I think the best thing that you can do as a clinician is making your athlete feel comfortable, create a safe space where they feel comfortable coming to you and just be very upfront with them about the realities of their injury. I think that's going to be the best way um, on an individualized level to handle concussions because each person is going to be so different and their recovery trajectory is going to vary so much from person to person. Yeah. Amazing capture. And, and I'm serious. I would love to go down this lane for multiple hours in the future. Love to have you back. Of course. Um, connection. It matters. It matters exactly. to the athlete. It, it matters to the practitioner. And it matters on uh, a global scale here as part of a world conference where you are part of the NATA. I am part of the CATA. We are both part of WFAT. We have an opportunity to sit down to chat and Absolutely. to meet people from across the globe, support one another through research, through foundational understanding, and for the first time ever doing a podcast yes, with, a drink, with a drink in hand with as well. So um, really appreciate your time. It's Jesse Oldham, Oldham from Virginia Commonwealth University School of Medicine. Uh, yeah. Terrific research. Research. Uh, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, is that something they can find you? Absolutely. The website um, website? Yes. Uh, Jesse, J S S I E dot Oldham, O L D H A M at VCU org is my email address. Uh, you can also just Google Jesse Oldham VCU and it'll come up. Feel free to email me. Uh, but thank you for having me. It's oh, beautiful. Great. It's been amazing. And I uh, wish you all the best with uh, your return you. home. But we'll have a good night here at the yes. awards ceremony uh, live from Winnipeg, the World Congress, World Federation of Athletic Therapy or Athletic Training and Therapy. Thank you very much. Thank good you night. so much. Thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this community. Check us out online, firststartherapy.com. That's F-I-R-S-T-A-R therapy.com. Or email us with feedback, consult at firststartherapy.com. C-O-N-S-U-L-T at firststartherapy.com. On Instagram at firststar.therapy. And our podcast host at letschat.at. This is First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast.